Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Here we go. Here we go. Dominion Sonship Live. The Lord actually gave me a word before we started. And it goes with the message. It goes with the message. I wrote it down, actually. And the message for today is a continuation of what we have been um, for a while now. And it's to do with the revelation of the Word of God, of who is the Word of God, that the Word of God is Jesus Himself. Jesus Himself. Jesus is the Word of God. And so when we talk about the Word of God, the Logos, we are recognizing that Jesus came in flesh. The Word came in flesh. The Logos took on flesh. And and um, a child was born and a son was given, the Lord Jesus Christ, the very Word of God, to demonstrate who our Heavenly Father is, to demonstrate the way out of the pit of hell to demonstrate a mighty redemption, to demonstrate a mighty rescue out of the grave into glorious life. Last Sunday's message, we had titled it Living in the Day of His Son. Living in the Day of His Son. And today, we'll continue on that theme. We touched upon the Sabbath day rest of God, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is the Sabbath day rest. That he is the master. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that the Sabbath was given for man and not man to serve the Sabbath. But rest was given to man. And that rest looks like peace with God. That through the cross of Jesus, he came to serve. Jesus came to serve humanity. How? By becoming a ransom. But becoming that liberty price for us so we can have now fellowship with our Heavenly Father, that through the cross we have peace with God. Now that is rest. Peace with God. Peace in your mind. Peace within your heart to know you are right with God today. And so today's title is His Divine Rest has loosed us. His divine rest, his divine rest has loosed us. So his Sabbath day rest, that he, the word of God, is the Lord of the Sabbath. He has loosed us. Loosed us from what? From all struggle. Loosed us from what? From all frustration to earn our way. He has loosed us from the dominion of Satan. He has loosed us from hell. He has loosed us from death. He has loosed us. And in that loosing, we now can walk in the freedom and in the liberty of Christ so that we can demonstrate this liberty to another so we can in turn be a freedom setter to another. And so what he spoke to me as we were worshiping the Lord before the start of this message is he said to me, I have rescued you from hell. I've rescued you from hell. So you think I can't rescue you now? I've rescued you from hell, God says to us today. So why fear a moment? Why dread this, this, this hour? We've been rescued from hell, from the very dominion of Satan, that Satan has no more dominion over us in Christ. That we are totally redeemed. We've been purchased back to God. 
And so because he's rescued us from hell, he's rescuing us from every moment. There's no impossibility to what God has done for us in Christ. There's no impossibility to what God has done for us in Christ. There's no impossibility to what God has done already for us in Christ. We tend to think of impossibility of something has to break loose now for me so that, so I can walk in a possibility. We already are walking in possibilities. The possibility of faith. The rest of faith is our possibility. See, every time we find ourselves in a bind, that bind is communicating impossibility. And so now we are praying to God for a possibility. As soon as we encounter ourselves in a, in a situation that is binding our mind with fear, that's what, that's what every adverse moment is intended to do. It's to communicate fear to us, to communicate an impossibility to us, and to engage our mental senses. I need a possibility. I, I, I need an answer. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. And so then we're like, God, 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 I, I know you're the God of the possibility. And so, but what God has wanted to communicate to us is that it is already done. That there's no impossibility to all that he has already done for us. See, it's a shift of a mindset. It is a situating in a finished work. It is coming to the divine reality and revelation that we have already been loosed. Out of every struggle, every fear, every perdition, every oppression. That we now, together with Christ, have been raised above. And so it's exactly as he said to me, I've rescued you from hell, so you think I can't rescue you now? <laughs> I've unbound you. So you've been loosed forever. And so let's go to some of the verses we looked at last time in the context of what he gave me. His divine rest has loosed us. And so we look back at a couple of the Greek words we looked at last time. Let's go to Matthew 20. I'll start there, verse 28. Hee <laughs> Let's go. Matthew 20, 28. And move in the joy of the Lord because we are the ransomed ones. We are the redeemed. We are the saved. We are the fully delivered. We are the possibility of God forevermore. And so let's go. And remember what we had put it in the context, uh, especially last week that, um, Zebedee's sons were before God and their mother was asking Jesus for a special favor, a special favor, Jesus, from my two boys. My two boys, they love you, Jesus. So can you grant them once you're on the right hand, the other on the left hand? Can, can you just grant that position to them, that, that, that position to them in the kingdom to come? And then what does Jesus say? It's not his to do that. It's of his father. And then he ex expounds on it that that is really based on your servitude, your heart of a servant. Why? 
because that is the heart of Jesus. So when we reflect Jesus, as we undergo this transformation from glory to glory, we are coming into the similitude of the Lord Jesus. We are expressing him clearer. We already have been made together with him as one. But we are walking it out. The similitude that we have through our new birth. That we're now just like him. Bearing the image of the firstborn. The heavenly man. So as we're transforming, as we're renewing our mind, that's what the transformation is about. It's not to control your behavior, but it's really to control your thoughts. To control the inner workings of your perceptions. To line them up with the word of God. To allow the word to have preeminence. And to take, to take a lordship over every thought. That's wanting to exalt itself. A prideful thought. And so, as we undergo this transformation, this mind renewal, which is of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, we are representing the servanthood of Jesus because He came to serve, not to be served, right? And so, this is the context of Matthew 20. We come into 26. Yet it shall not be so among you, meaning that in the world, the Gentiles like to lord it over. They like this place of authority and position. And all in the world, and carnal Christians as well, are always vying for position. Vying for position. That is carnality. What we do is submit to the position we already have in Christ. Okay, let's say that a little slower. What we do is we submit to the position that we already have in Christ. <laughs> when you submit to that position, when you submit your mind, your thoughts, your life, as a living sacrifice, you submit, which looks like death to your outer man. We align ourselves with the highest position, the position of Christ, who is exalted above all, that every knee bows to the name of Jesus. That every tongue confesses his lordship to the glory of God, our heavenly father. So we are not as the world vying and craving positions to lord it over people. But we are about submission to that which he already has done. And that's what Jesus is communicating. That we are Verse 26 again, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. That's submission. Just as the son, just as, just as the son, just as the son of man. You want to be just as the son of man? Well, we see how we can be. Just as a son of man, in this place of servitude, in this place of humility, in this place of submission. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And from this service, look, and to give his life a ransom for many. This service looked like a rescue. And so does our service too. Looks like a rescue to another. The way Jesus' service to us was a rescue to us. 
the ultimate liberty price to be snatched out of something that was impossible for us to escape. Now that was an impossibility. The impossibility to man before Christ was to, to, to be released and loosed from the snare of Satan and the hold of Satan. That was an impossibility. But Christ, our possibility, came in this service, in this service to become a ransom, a ransom for many. So we looked at that word ransom, and we can look at it again, and um, gave us a glimpse that it was a compound word from lose something to listen, uh, and it was a redemption price and um, purchase money for obtaining slaves, a ransom, the price for ransoming. And just like I said, um, it was a liberty price. And ultimately, of course, it's the blood of Christ which purchased us so that we can have a right standing with God. And the root of that word is luo. And looked at luo, and that word luo is to loose, to release, to dissolve, to untie, to annul. And um, the word study of it is to let go, to release, so something no longer holds together. And so Christ came. And dismantled Satan's operations. They could not be held together against us. Christ came as a ransom. As the purchase price. And that purchase price has such prevailing, availing power in it. That it dismantled every evil operation. They had a hold on us. So Satan has no longer a hold on you. So when you think about being ransomed, when you think about being redeemed, you think about being loose from ever, from the hold of Satan. That's what Paul writes the Colossians, that, that we've been transferred out. It's forever action of the kingdom of darkness. And now we are part of this brand new kingdom of light. And so when we, we, we think about being born again and brand new, we, we have to know that we are a new kingdom and this kingdom is not the world's way. It's not the world's kingdom. It's not the world system. We've been snatched out. The whole the world had over us. It's broken. It's broken, buddy. It's broken. And that's the biggest fight that we have within ourselves. And when we converse with other believers, it's a struggle to break the yoke of Satan off of us is this this really wrong perception that we're still bound it's this wrong perception of of submitting to something that has no power over us anymore it's this wrong twisted ideology and wrong teaching of submission to the wrong thing when we've been loosed out of the entire world system and we now are they can see as the governing body of God the body of Christ the church of the Living God. So live free today. Live out this dominion. Live out this seven day rest that you've entered in through faith. Last week we started teaching on it. And, and we're, we're, I'm trusting God to go into Hebrews 3 and 4. Today. But we'll go as he leads. Because we have to dismantle this wrong operation of a stronghold. That we are bound. 
that something still has a hold. Why do I like to look at these words? Because these words break the reality to me and it becomes digestible. It becomes meditative. It becomes, um, I'm, I'm pondering now that, that this word luo, that is the root to ransom, this word uh, to, to loose and to release, to dissolve, that every evil contract that was over me, every, every condemning line, the law that condemned me has been dissolved. And that's what Jesus said through the cross. He nailed on the cross all condemnation. So why are you putting up with condemnation? I'm not good enough. They don't like me. Oh, my dear. Who doesn't like you? Tell me. If God loves you. If God loves you. If God loves you. If God loves you. Satan doesn't like you. <laughs> Why? Because you represent his defeat. You represent his defeat. You represent the ultimate liberty of Christ. You represent the life of dominion. Satan doesn't like you. And he's doing his very best to keep you in deception. That you really are not loose from his hold. That the world still has a hold over you. And it's only through revelation. It's only through the bursting of this light as the morning star in our heart. That sets us free. And so reading again Matthew 20, 28. That just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many we looked at the word ransom. Let's look at the word luo that is in the word ransom. And that word is used in 1 John 3. John uses this word. And look at the context. Total destruction of every evil work. Christ. Christ through Christ. 1 John 3, 8. Oh, let's go 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. It's a practice. You practice doing the right thing. Just as he's righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. We don't practice sin. We practice righteousness, right? For this purpose, and this is now we, we see why we can practice righteousness. Because <laughs> the power of sin is forever broken off of us. So we can now practice righteousness. So we can now grow up in righteousness. So we can now become skilled in the word of righteousness. This is what liberty looks like, is to practice righteousness. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. He appeared. He was manifested that he might destroy, and this is the word luo. The Greek strong concordance 3089 to destroy the works of the devil. So the purpose we see here, like just like Matthew wrote of what Jesus said, that Jesus said, I came, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. This ransom looked like an obliteration of every evil work. And so now evil works have no longer a hold over you. The power of it has been destroyed. The power of it has been destroyed. For this 
if we read that again, why did I go to Hebrews? My page just flipped over. <laughs> um, here. That he might, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. For this purpose. He came what? To demonstrate love. The purpose of love is to destroy the working of Satan off of you. Fear. Fear that causes you to sin. That causes you to fend for yourself when God has already granted you divine protection in himself. The purpose of the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, that's Luo, the works of the devil. So this ransom purchase price is a total destruction of all evil. So that evil has no longer a right to call you by name. No longer a right to call you by name. Let's go to Ephesians 1 from here. We'll look at another word. That's the word redemption, redeemed, that has the word ransom in it. Let the redeemed say so, right? We are the redeemed. In Ephesians 1, 7, in him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. In him, in Christ, it's not of ourselves. it's in him because he came as that ransom price. He is the sacrificial lamb. And so in him, through his sacrifice, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in our wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. So redemption to us is that we are now part of his kingdom, that we're now part of his divine will, that he is disclosing himself to us, that we are now one with our heavenly father. There was his good pleasure. That again, to nine, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, in him. So now let's go to the Strong's Ephesians 1, 7. And in him we have redemption. So that word redemption, that's a compound word. I said ransom was a compound word. I made a mistake. Redemption is the compound word. And it's the Greek 629. And it's from apple and lutron, which means a ransom in full that is riddance. That is riddance. And so in him we have riddance of sin. Now, if we look closer into that word, we see that the word, the first part of that word, uh, riddance or redemption, and that means to release, affected by payment of ransom. Our release is not based on nothing. Our salvation is not based on nothing. Our salvation is based on a very costly 
precious, priceless possession of God. The very Son of God, His life and His blood. It was not based on nothing. It was based on a ransom that He came to be for us. And it's the word apple, which is from, and then lutro, which is redeem, and it's 3084. And this word 3084 to redeem is actually cognitive with the word ransom that we looked up in Matthew 20, 28. So you see, you see the oneness that God is communicating to us of the message of Christ that we have been released from every snare that I, a price was paid for us. And so it's what he said to me during the worship. says, I have released you from, I have rescued you from hell. Will I not rescue you right now? Will I not rescue you right now? Well, yeah, the right now rescue is part of his rescue already done for us. It's in this redemption that we have in Christ that is based on a price that has been paid. So let's go to Mark. We looked at this verse last week. Mark chapter 2, 27. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So we're talking about rescue. We're talking about a divine rescue that he has come to demonstrate to man by dying on the cross for us. And that through this rescue, now we have peace with God, right? Through the cross of Christ, which when I opened up the message, I said this, this peace that we have with God is really the ultimate rest, is that we have entered into this place of rest. We've entered into this place of peace where we've ceased from our own works. We've ceased from the figure out of how to gain favor with God. We've ceased from the... A religiosity of action that we now need to do something to please God. We've ceased from this mental ascent of how can I be better than someone else. We cease from this, from this competitive nature of selfishness to vie for a position on earth. And we've entered into this rest of a finished work. And this finished work, of course, is Jesus himself. The Sabbath, he says, Jesus was made from man and not man for the Sabbath. He came, he came from man. Takes a moment to just pause and to, what am I saying? What is the Lord trying to communicate to us? Is that we're in this perpetual rest with God. We can just, we can relax the shoulders. We can breathe again. We can smile again. We can let go of the frown of, 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 of frustration and, and anxiousness of mind. And enter into this place of peace. That Jesus was in at the stern of the boat in Mark 4 when, when the disciples were in the boat bailing the water out in, in a storm on the sea, and the winds were high, and the waves were tall. And yet Jesus was asleep on the pillow. That is him. That is rest. 
And, and, and it's constantly reminding ourselves that I don't need to figure it out. I can just rest in the moment. God, God, God has me. God has you. God hasn't left us. He's still in the boat, resting. And so we can choose to be just like him. Just like him. Enter into rest. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord. The Son of Man is a Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath day rest. The same story is in Matthew 12. But I, let's go to Matthew 12. I want to see what Jesus says right before he comes into this of him being the Lord of the Sabbath. And right before Matthew 12 is, of course, Matthew 11. And the very end of Matthew 11 is really telling of how he's about to communicate that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So let's go to mm -mm -mm, 25. We'll build up this case here. Matthew 11, 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. I love, I love how the Holy Spirit is capturing moments of the heart of Jesus towards his Father. It's a heart of thanksgiving. And we see a lot of it in John as well. I thank you, my Father. I thank you, my Father. I thank you, my Father. And so today we thank our Father. This is what rest looks like. Thank you, Father. Rest looks like thank you, Father, for having rescued me already. Thank you, Father, for feeding me daily with your manner, your supernatural existence, your divine word. Thank you, Father, that you know me. Thank you, Father, that you revealed yourself to me. And so here Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and he revealed them to babes. And I have put at another moment, in having read this verse, and I put there that he said to babes because there is the potential to grow. So when we are teachable children, when we are teachable children, God can entrust us with his mysteries. It says, you have revealed them to babes, even so, Father, for so it seems good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me. Look at this. All things. In John, he says, all that the Father has, he's given to me. And I, and then Jesus, through the Spirit, has given them to us. That the Holy Spirit was given to us, disclosed that which Christ has given us. The Spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we will know our portion in Christ. That we will know who lives in us. That we will know that there is a great calling on our life. And in that calling there is a hopefulness, a living hope. That we have been already rid of all sin. Delivered fully into a brand new kingdom. Jesus, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And look at verse 28. 
how he finishes that chapter. Come to me. He says, all that the Father has is mine. No one knows the Father outside of the Son. And the one that the Son chooses to reveal the Father to. And then he says, come to me. He says, come to me. How do we come to you? He said to, he just said in verse 25 that God has chosen to reveal it to babes. Come as a little child to him. He says, come. Don't come with the attitude of, you know it all. Don't come with the attitude of being so prudent and so wise. But come in this place of submission and he'll teach you. And that is rest. The word wants to teach you. The rest of faith looks like the word teaching. And that's what I said last week when we read from Matthew, from Mark, from Mark chapter 2, right, about the Lord of the Sabbath. And the, that um, it was as Jesus and um, his disciples were going through the grain fields and they were eating, they were plucking the grain on the Sabbath and eating it. And the religious leaders that's what a religious spirit would do, would always accuse you of doing the wrong thing on the wrong day. <laughs> Never good enough. You're always missing it. There's always blame to be shifted on you. And so that's what those religious leaders wanted to accuse Jesus of wrongdoing. And Jesus spoke and said, well, don't you know the story of David and how they ate the showbread? And uh, in that context, we, we, I said that it's always right to eat his word on the Sabbath. Rest looks like eating and digesting his word. In rest. In rest. And so this is what he's saying. He's saying only the one that the son wills to reveal the father to know the father. And then he says, come to me. He's saying, I want to reveal the father. But come as a child. And that's what 28, come to me, all you who labor, all you who struggle in your minds, under the heavy laden moment of the day, all who labor in a heavy laden, anxious minds, I will give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll satisfy your soul. Take my yoke. Take my yoke. What is his yoke? Who is he? He is the Lord of the Sabbath. That's his yoke. Rest is his yoke. Submission to the divine will is his yoke. Obedience to his Father is his yoke. Which looks like rest. Because Jesus said, it's not I who do these works, but it's the Father in me. He does them. That's what rest looks like. It's no longer Desi who lives life, but Christ in me lives. And there is a crushing of a grain in that moment. What does the word say unless a, a kernel falls to the ground and dies? It cannot produce. There will be no harvesting. But when you choose to reckon that old man dead, and you come to him as a child, as a babe, to learn of him, and you forsake this laboring, this striving to please, this heavy laden of the mind, always burdened with something. He says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The word 
wants to show you your heavenly father. The word wants to show you his love. The word wants to demonstrate rest to you today. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. That word lowly is humble. Humble. What a humble master we have. That's what we see when we read the love chapter. He doesn't parade himself. He's patient and he's kind. It says he's lowly in heart and you find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's nothing heavy about the things of God. There's nothing burdensome about the commandments of God, I believe John writes. There's nothing burdensome about God. But there is a living, there is a living reality of goodness. There is a, a life that wants to be expressed towards you and in you and through you. There is a liberty life, not just for you, but for the multitudes. It's called preach the gospel. Preach the gospel by believing the gospel. Let's go to Romans 10. I said I was going to go to Romans last week and couldn't make it there. So we're going to go to Romans 10 and potentially do Hebrews 4 next week. What did I say he said here in Matthew? So, right. So in Matthew 11, that's the very last verse. In Matthew 11, is for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And chapter 12 opens about the grain fields on the Sabbath day. Isn't that amazing? When you read the word in the context of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of how he laid these verses together, how he interweaved his truth to communicate rest to you, that right after this he says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He talks about being the Lord of the Sabbath. And that's in, in chapter 12 of Matthew, verse 8, that the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. But back to verse 29 and 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you find rest for your souls. And in Romans 10, so we said that when we learn of him, when we believe his word and we digest that word, we are actually becoming that reality of life and liberty to another. So that we can in turn proclaim the message that we can teach another. So in Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And then talks about how beautiful the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. See, it's a gospel of peace. And so we learn from him and of him this gospel of peace that is a rest to our souls that we have seized from our earthly laboring. And we've entered into this gospel of peace that we can now in turn preach to another day to believe and enter into a rest of their soul, for their soul. And so in verse 17, So then, 
faith comes. The faith, the rest that is found in faith, the rest that is found in believing his word, the rest of faith is found by the hearing and the hearing of the word of God. And the word says, come and learn of me. Do you see his desire for us to learn so we can be in faith? So we can be in rest. What is his desire for you that you be in rest? How do you enter that rest? Through faith. So faith is not works, buddy. Faith is a rest. The work of faith is to believe. The work of faith is to believe. And believe looks like being a doer of the word of God. Because that by which you're, this goes back two weeks ago in my messages. Because that which you're persuaded by, you will do. Why? Because you're becoming it. As a man thinks in his what? In his heart, so is he, right? As a man thinks, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. And you have what? What you say. The purpose of his coming is to loose us from the workings of the flesh that are strifle and totally exhaustive, that are heavy laden and burdensome. But the work of Christ is to be a ransom, a deliverance work. It's of the Spirit. It is of God. And I'll pause here and we'll start Hebrews three and four next week. Amen. We are done. Praise you, Jesus.